smile on your face, notify your face that you're saved, tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning, say how about them cowboys, they're going to win, uh, that's tomorrow night, isn't yeah, it, alright, yeah. well never mind, tell somebody you're glad to see them.
good fellowship. You can go ahead and find your place and be seated. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Amen. Well, we had a great revival last week. Amen. Uh, God was good. Had 20 people saved. One joined the church. That was awesome, wasn't it? And uh, I want to tell you, God has been so good to us, and we just need to be very, very thankful for how good he is. Amen. And uh, Brother Herman sends his regards. He says, thank you for all you did to make the, uh, the revival a success. He said, uh, nobody would have been saved if y'all didn't bring them. Amen. And uh, nobody would have uh, gotten anything if we had not uh, supported everything and showed up every night. So if you didn't uh, get a chance to get any of that, man, it's good. It's all online, though. Brother JT's got it all posted up. So go back and listen to some of the revival if you, if you weren't able to be here. Uh, any visitors in the house today? Anybody first-time visitor or second-time visitor? There's one right there. We're going to give you a card. And if you'll just fill that out, put that in the offering basket on your way out. And we're so glad you're here. Amen. Uh, we are glad to see everybody in the house this morning. And just a few announcements. Uh, giving can be done in envelope. You can do the uh, cash or check, or you can do it online now. We always want to give you that, just in case you want to do that. It's at uh, giving.landmarktyler.com. That's on the screen right there. And set it up one time, and you're good to go. Uh, we always need more volunteers, amen? So we need volunteers for our yard team and our cleaning teams. Uh, uh, those are two things that the church would have to spend a lot of money on if we hired a yard person, because there's a lot to this, and they would charge a pretty penny to come and mow and weed eat all of this property. And so having the yard team saves us that money. The cleaning teams are teams that uh, clean once a month. And uh, if we can keep that up, that saves us from having to spend money on somebody to come in and clean every week. And so uh, you're, you're helping us and you're, you're doing service and you're helping the church save money also. So if you can see the, uh, do those, uh, come see me or Miss Kate is uh, in charge of the cleaning teams or Brother Gary. Where would Brother Gary go? I saw him. Uh, Gary Curry right there. Gary Curry is in charge of the yard team, so see him if you can help on that. All right. Also, we need help for uh, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. Always have uh, kids here, and uh, especially Wednesday nights. If you can help with uh, with children, we need your help desperately. All right. Um, we bust these kids in. We have a big crowd on Wednesday nights, and uh, and we just always need more help. All right. Even if you can just be a corraller, I call a a cowboy and herd the cattle. If that's your job, we need help doing that. Amen. You don't have to be the teacher. You can just be a, a cowboy and corral the herd. Amen. Uh, also, fall festival coming up. That is in a couple of weeks. Wednesday, October the 25th. We need candy. Keep bringing candy if you would. Uh, need everyone to volunteer. There is a sign-up sheet on the back. Uh, and you can put your name and what area you'd like to serve on. And then also at the end of the month, October 29th, movie night. 6 p.m., free popcorn, free candy, free Jesus, amen. Uh, we are having a ladies' fellowship Saturday, November 4th at 4 p.m. at Kate Johnson's house. Kate, raise your hand. And uh, that's uh, we're already doing sign-up sheet for that. That is also on the back table. So, ladies, if you can go, just sign up. Uh, I think they're signed up to bring some food and stuff. And then here's a fun one, daylight savings time in Sunday November the 5th. Now, this is the fun one because we get to fall back and gain an hour. Amen. So uh, you might even show up early for church. Amen. So this is the really good one. All right. Spring is the tough one. All right. So and I know it gets darker earlier and, uh, you know, the days are shorter. 
So that part, not everybody likes, but at least we get to gain an hour of sleep in the process, all right? I think that is everything. Let's stand, if you would. We're going to sing this great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Amen. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad that we got a friend in Jesus?
Father, we love you today. Lord, that is the cry of our heart. We tell you, Lord, today we need you more than ever in this world in which we live in. We need you, Lord. And God, I thank you that, Lord, you care for the birds of the air. You care for the flowers of the field. How much more will you care for us, Lord? We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that nothing escapes your eye. Lord, you know everything. Nothing catches you off guard. And Lord, I just pray, God, increase our faith and our trust in you. God, help us to live in the joy of the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, we love you. We thank you. God, we thank you for our salvation. We thank you for every good thing that you've done in our lives, God. We thank you for those who came to know you this last week, God. Lord, I pray that we continue to see revival. Revival doesn't have to end with a set of meetings, God. I pray that it would, your spirit would continue to move in our church here, God, and that we'd see your hand move. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to come. Move in every heart, move in every life, move in this place. Because, Holy Spirit, if you don't show up, then none of this matters at all, God. But, Lord, we need more than just preaching. We need more than just singing. We need a move of your Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, come invade this place now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering, if you would. And you may be seated. You've got children who would like to go to children's church. Our older kids are going to meet Miss Cindy over here at this door. And our younger kids will meet Miss Louisa over here at this door. All right. Always a wonderful time. Give our uh, children, our children's workers, a big hand, if you would. And I want to I wanna just tell you, our kids' ministry, uh, we don't just uh, babysit. Our, kid, our kids get a lesson, and they get taught the Word of God, and uh, we see many salvations through uh, through our children's ministry. Amen. So we're excited about that. Well, I want to share with you this morning, and uh, it's kind of a message that I always kind of like to share after a revival or after we see uh, a lot of salvations, because I feel like it's important for people to understand uh, that salvation is not just a one-time experience. Uh, we mistakenly sometimes teach or I don't think we necessarily uh, intentionally preach it, but kind of by the way we do sometimes, we preach that salvation is walking an aisle, praying a prayer, filling out a card, and we kind of relate that is what salvation is. Can I tell you that that, uh, that is the beginning of salvation, but salvation is not a one-time experience. Salvation is a journey that begins with that decision to follow the Lord. And so the problem with a lot of people is they say, well, I, I walked that aisle or I, I said that prayer, and they just stop right there. And can I tell you, that's just the beginning of the journey. And so what I want to teach you today is that salvation is a continuous process. In fact, it's every single day because you must get up every single day and decide after you've been saved, all right, now I belong to the Lord. Am I going to let the Lord drive the car or am I going to try drive the car? Am I going to let the Lord be in charge of my life, or am I just going to continue to live in the way I want to live? Amen? So I wanted you to understand, salvation is a continuous thing. That's why the day you get saved, what happens not long after you get saved? The devil's going to show up, isn't he? The devil's going to show up, and he's going to try to mess you up. He's going to tell you, oh, that wasn't real. He's going to tell you, you're not worthy of that. You did too many bad things. You're a terrible person. God couldn't love you. God couldn't possibly forgive you. That wasn't real. 
the enemy will show up. Maybe, maybe not the day after, maybe not the week after, but shortly thereafter, the devil's going to show up. And you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, and the devil's going to tell you, see, I told you, that wasn't real. Listen, getting saved does not mean you just became perfect. Getting saved means my sins are forgiven, and I am going to walk with the Lord. And that means when I stumble, I fall, but I ask the Lord to forgive me, and I dust myself off, and I get right back up, and I get back on the horse. That's what salvation means. My sins are paid for. It's not that I become perfect. It's not that I become, uh, you know, that all of my addictions and my, uh, my sins, my pet sins, and all of these things that I deal with and I struggle with, those don't go away, do they, church? No, they do not. Your sins don't just automatically go away. If you had an addiction before you got saved, guess what? Most likely, you're still going to have that addiction. Now, does God miraculously sometimes uh, deliver people from that instantaneous? And some people just are able to quit cold turkey? Yes, I would say that happens. But let me give you a warning. That is the exception rather than the rule. Most of the time, if you have an addiction, you're going to have to struggle with that addiction. Even after salvation, you're still going to struggle. Why? Because you are still flesh and blood. And the Bible talks about that there, there will be this battle, and it is not a battle uh, you know, it is a spiritual warfare because now you have the spirit of God living inside of you, but you also have the old man and this flesh, and they are warring constantly. There is a war going on constantly between those two, all right? So this is what we want to talk about today. Um, and I've titled this Miserably Saved or Gloriously Saved. Anybody here know, know a miserably saved person? I do. They say they're saved. Good Lord, look at the look on that face. Look at the attitude coming out of them. Miserably saved or gloriously saved. And it is our choice. What's the difference between being miserably saved or glorious saved? We can live a stalled out, miserably saved life. Or we can move forward with purpose as those who are gloriously saved. Did anybody have a right to be miserably saved other than Paul? Remember Paul, he was put in prison, he was beaten, he was run out of town just about every town he went into, uh, scourged, beaten, chased out of town, put in a dungeon prison, and Paul always seemed to have a proper attitude, didn't he? Paul said, gloriously say, because Paul learned the proper attitude. I've learned to be content in all things. I've lived in a palace, I've lived in a dungeon. I've learned to be content. With all things. For, for me to live is Christ. And for me to die is gain. It's a win-win. So Paul had the proper attitude and the right way of looking at it, didn't he? If anybody had any right to be miserably saved and walk around eat, looking like they just ate a sour pickle and looking like just death warmed over, it was Paul. Because Paul, he, was, he experienced true persecution. You and I, we talk about persecution. We don't really know what persecution is, do we? You know, we think somebody snickers behind our back or calls us a Jesus freak or a holy roller. We think, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. You ain't suffering for Jesus. While you're worried about somebody snickering behind your back, somebody's in another country losing their life, losing their job, losing their livelihood, having their head cut off for being a Christian. So we have first world problems. <laughs> And that we really don't know what persecution is. Paul knew what persecution is, all right? Uh, salvation is not the finish line. It is the starting point. So I want to encourage you with this. And I wanted to preach this sermon after 
after we had um, uh, the revival, uh, people got saved. And I want to encourage Hayden, too, uh, you know, to, to encourage these kids that got saved that this is the beginning of a journey now. Uh, it's not just the one experience and then you just go back to living the way you were living. But I wanted to tell you today that it, it, it's a journey that begins from this day forward. And I've got to decide every day, am I going to live for the Lord? So I want to give you uh, just some points on that. And then we've got a testimony today and we're going to do that. But uh, I want to tell you how you can be uh, freed from slavery through salvation. Now, the first thing of, that I want to teach you is this. Salvation is a covenant. You remember Jesus came and he died on the cross, and it brought in what we call a new covenant or a blood covenant. The old covenant was living by the law, and that's what the Old Testament is about. Those people lived under the law, and they were living under the old covenant. But when Jesus came and he, built, he uh, spilled his blood for us and he died on the cross, he entered into a new covenant of grace. Okay, So you and I live under the new covenant. And uh, uh, what are some other covenants? When you got married, there it is a marriage covenant. And it is a marriage covenant between you, your spouse, and the Lord. All right? And you are making those vows. I don't know if you remember those. Probably that day was a little blurry for some of you. It's been a while. Uh, but uh, we are making a vow between us and our spouse and the Lord. And so it is a covenant. And I want to compare salvation somewhat to marriage. Everybody in here, if you got married, you had a wedding day, right? You had a wedding day, but that's not the marriage, is it? The wedding day was a single event, and you became married on that day. You started the journey there, but marriage is a journey. Amen? <laughs> and it's, sometimes it's a good journey. Sometimes it's a hard journey. Anybody in here been married longer than a week knows marriage is work. Amen? And so it is a covenant that you entered into. The wedding day was not the marriage. The wedding day was the beginning of the marriage. And then every day after that, I must get up and say, am I going to be a good husband? Don't ask my wife that every day. Amen. Am I going to be a good husband? She must ask herself every day, am I going to be a good wife? Am I going to be a good father? Am I going to be a good mother? Am I going to be somebody who glorifies God in my marriage or am I just going to live for myself and be selfish and do the things I want to do and not worry about that relationship? If you get down the road and your attitude is, I'm just going to live for me, I'm going to be selfish, I don't care what my wife wants. Six months down the road, how's that relationship going to be? It's going to be terrible. It's not going to be worth anything. Can I tell you, the day after you get saved, if you don't do anything to mature, and if you get up every day after that and say, Lord, I know I've got you as my Savior, but... I'm still running things, and I want to live the way I want to live. So, God, I know I made that decision, but you just need to sit down over here because I'm just going to live it the way I want to live it, and I'm not going to have any relationship with you. You know what's going to happen in six months? You may be saved because maybe you had a real experience. You might be. I question it, but you might be. But six months down the road, you ain't going to have very much of an abundant life or a blessed life, are you? Because you have no relationship with him. Amen. You have not matured. You have not moved forward. Many people get saved, and they never move forward. All right? So we're going to talk today about how marriage uh, and salvation are very similar. Uh, misery, miserably saved means I got God's grace, but I stayed stuck. I stayed stuck. All right? And so I want you not to stay stuck. All right? Living a stalled-out life. I'm not moving forward. The only thing that's worse than being miserably saved is being tragically lost. 
So if you're lost, you need to get saved. All right. And that begins with a decision. And that's but that decision is just the beginning of the journey. How many of you would say, have you ever been there? And I'll be the first to admit, you ever been there where you just felt like in your spiritual life you were stalled out? rest of your liars amen uh, unless you got saved yesterday uh, if you've if you've been saved any length of time you have stalled out before you've come to what we call sometimes we call it a lot of different names we got all these little Christian names for things spiritual desert or you know I'm living in the wilderness over here whatever you want to call it all of us have had that if we've been saved for any length of time and so we must understand uh, we get stalled out uh, sometimes but you do not want to stay in a stalled-out state. Um, so I'm going to give you three things of uh, how to not stall out. Number one is probably the most important, and there's a lot of misunderstanding around this verse. Number one is work out your salvation. Now, wait a minute, Brother Mark. I thought we were the type of church believed you saved by faith and not works. That is true. But the Bible also says that faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Dead, deader than a hammer. Anybody understand the word dead? So when Paul talks about working out your salvation, he's not saying that you got to get saved every single day after that. He's saying that it is a journey. Salvation was not that one-time experience. It's that experience and then every day after that. So you must work out your salvation every single day. Doesn't mean you get saved over and over and over and over again. It means that every single day, you're going to have to make choices. You're going to have to make decisions. You're going to have to decide who are you living for, his will and purpose or your will and purpose, every single day. So let's look at what Paul said. It's in Philippians, if you would, uh, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. All right. Now, this is probably the most important thing you'll hear today because this verse gets misunderstood a whole lot. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now back that up uh, to the other verse, Brother JT. Let's, let's just break that down. Work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Now, I thought God was love. I didn't know anything about this fear thing. Listen, God is a great big God. And sometimes we're guilty of preaching a little too much love, grace, and mercy. And I'm, I am certainly all for that. Thank God for his love, grace, and mercy. But sometimes we're a little slack on preaching that we need to fear the Lord. The Bible also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to fear the Lord. We need to live in awe of the Lord. All right? And so... Uh, we need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means, number one, understand that God is serious. This covenant that you entered with him, he is very serious about it. And he wants, to work, you, he wants you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling towards him, with awe towards him, okay? And then the next verse, for it is God who works in you, not yourself, not anybody else, not the devil, because now you belong to God. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for whose good pleasure? Your good pleasure? No, for whose good pleasure? His good pleasure. Amen? So we've got to get that part straight. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Every single day you wake up, say, Lord, where are we going? What are we doing? 
And what do you want me to do today? And even give him permission. Say, Lord, put people in my path today that I can be a positive influence on. Put people in my path today I can share the gospel with. Put people in my path today that I can share my story with. Lord, just let me be a blessing to somebody. And if you will put on your spiritual antenna, God, you'll be amazed at how God does that. Number two, keep pressing towards the goal. This comes from the next chapter, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now let's stop there for a second. What is he talking about? Here's the real key. After you get saved, you must forget those things that are behind. Because the devil's going to bring up your past, isn't he? The devil's going to tell you that wasn't real or you're, that, that, that doesn't really count for anything because look at what you did in the past. So he's going to bring up your past. But here's what Paul says. You must forget those things which are behind and reach forward. In other words, move forward to those things which are ahead. Are you moving forward? Are you maturing in Christ? Are you becoming a changed man or woman? Are you living out that verse that says that, uh, behold, uh, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Are you moving forward? All right, then the next verse. And he says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, set goals. Now, a lot of people set goals in their life uh, for being uh, working out or losing weight or uh, set goals at work, and goals are a good thing. But here's what he's saying. He's saying you need to set goals spiritually, and you need to press towards those goals. Everybody in here should have a goal that I want to be closer to God at the end of 2023 than I was at the beginning of 2023. Uh, New Year's is a great time. When we get to New Year's and we go into 2024, that's a great time for you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make a goal this year that I want to be cl- way closer to the Lord at the end of 2024 than I am at the beginning. I want to press towards the goal. I want to work towards being a better man of God, a better woman of God, a better husband, a better father, a better uh, wife, and a better mother. All right? So keep pressing towards that goal. And number three, and it's, this is kind of what we've been talking about today is don't stall out. Don't stall out. The scripture on that is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes, or I like to just put in the word babies, as to babies in Christ. Verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. You know how a baby can't take solid food? Ain't got no teeth and their stomach can't handle it. And so what are they on? They're on milk until they can handle soft food. Uh, for under, until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there's envy, hello, envy. You ever look at somebody in the church and you're jealous of them? You ever look at somebody in the church and you're jealous of their position? Or you're jealous of their walk with God? Or you're jealous of their stature in the church? Strife. You think anything like that is going to cause unity? It causes strife. It causes division. 
Those three things are separate, but they work together. When you have envy towards somebody, that causes strife. When you look at somebody and you say, I want, I wish I had that. Lord, why do you bless them? Why do they get that position? Why do they have that stature? Why don't I have that? That is a carnal mindset. And all those things do is envy, strife, divisions among us. Listen, when things rise up like that, I, as the pastor, I have to address those things. And y'all know me. I don't like confrontation. But somebody got to do it, and they got to nip it in the bud quick. Because envy, strife, and division is like a cancer. Look at me. Envy, strife, and division is like a cancer. And if you got that in there, and you got that in you, you are a cancer. And I don't like being the surgeon. I don't like having to hold the scalpel. But if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. Because envy, strife, and division will eat a congregation like this up. It will divide people. It will set people apart. And you cannot have that. And the first thing I need to do when I, when I sense that in my own life, I need to repent. I need to get right with God. That will cause a stall out. Because you are not, you are being carnal. You are not being spiritual when you have those things. There are other things in our life. We're being, we're not growing because we're still on the milk of the word. Listen, if you are a mature, growing Christian, envy, strife, and division should have no part in your life. You should have developed beyond that. And you still got that going on in your mind? We have, we're supposed to be mature Christians. We're supposed to love each other regardless of everything. And if you have stature in the church and position in the church and God is using you in a certain way, I should be happy for you. I should be blessing you. Amen? Because that's what a mature Christian does. Why do we become stalled out? Because we get a carnal mindset even when we don't think we have a carnal mindset. Many times we're in the church and we think we're spiritual because we're in the church and because we show up every Sunday. And I tell you, that is not true. Some of the most carnally minded people I know go to church every single Sunday. And sometimes they think they're very spiritual. It's funny because the ones who have the most of these things, envy, strife, and division, are the ones who think they're the most spiritual many times. What's that called? It's called pride, ego, arrogance. Spiritual pride, arrogance, and ego. We can have all those things. Amen? So, three things. Work out your salvation every single day. Keep pressing toward the goal. Make goals. And don't stall out. Every, that working out your salvation, strive to become a mature Christian every single day. If you got saved today, you need to be in the word, studying the word, and praying every single day. Because, again, the devil, he is right behind you. And he don't like it. He can't have your soul back, but the next best thing he can do is knock you off your horse. And he can make you as ineffective as he possibly can. Uh, Bob Hutcherson, where you at, Bob? Bob, come on up here. Bob is going to come, and I'm going to interview Bob and uh, talk about his, uh, his story, all right? Because as we've said, we've all got a story. Stay sure, right how do there, I'll come down here with you. Can we have a few? No. I'm Stay right here. Okay. We wouldn't want to get too, too <laughs> proud or too arrogant. Amen. <laughs> all right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Bob sent me his story, and his story is kind of different from a lot of the stories that you'll hear because some of the stories that you'll hear are about 
uh, people, you know, living their own life and kind of going astray for a long time and then coming back to the Lord. Uh, but Bob, you, you grew up in church and uh, had a, a healthy experience somewhat. Tell, give us a little bit of your, your background uh, growing up. And, and you want me to just read this thing? Or? No, no, no. no just, Talk from the just, heart, brother. I know, right? Now the memories all of a sudden goes, goes down. Just, just give me the basics. All right, so it was my grandmother's church. Okay. Is my mom's mother. My father was older, and so in their, his parents had pretty much already passed away so gotcha. when I was young. So we we spent time with that side of the family, my mom's side of the family. Gotcha. Um, so she had always been involved in church. So when we we visited often, so we would always go to church on Sunday morning. Gotcha. Um, but it, it was difficult because it was maybe one Sunday out of a month, and it seemed like every time I arrived at church I'd change grades and so we would go to a different class and gotcha. uh, one moment I was it, it just seemed like the, the uh, teachers were never the same so that always made me nervous about church anyway gotcha. uh, but we continue on uh, and then I, I guess I can tell you about the vacation Bible school yeah go ahead. yeah okay so um, as we continued on I became older and older but I never understood much of anything in the church uh, just knew that Jesus was a God's son, and asked my mom when I was a young child, I said, so Jesus is God's son, yes, okay. So I understood that part, and I understood where heaven was, and I understood, as I spoke of, my father's family had passed away. Well, I understood they were, uh, that's where they were. They were in heaven. So, of course, I want to be with my family. Uh, I didn't want to go the other direction. <laughs> so, uh, so my choice is already, you know, going to heaven. But anyway, so my Grandmother was real strong in the church, even taught a class. So she wanted to go and uh, have us go to this uh, vacation Bible school. Uh, and uh, so I didn't know what it was, but when I got there, we started doing activities and things like that. Yeah. Well, we did activities in another area, uh, but we all as a group would come into the auditorium and this man would uh, give a message to us uh, I think he read some scripture and stuff. It was one of the people of the church. I'm not sure exactly what position he was. He's like an assistant, I guess, uh, assistant pastor. But uh, anyway, so uh, he he hollers at us, you know, uh, if you want to be saved, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. And I was thinking a couple weeks ago when Brother Mark had mentioned telling our story. Uh, and I was like, well, my story's kind of, I'm not sure about it, but the more I thought about it, and I said, you know, I need to tell this story because there's something important in this story. Uh, so when I started thinking about it, then I wrote it out, and uh, it's actually a long one, and that's what you're talking about, not reading it, <laughs> but, you know, talk from the heart. But when I wrote it out, and I'd already thought about it, but in the process of all this, I remembered something that happened in my salvation story that made it important for me to, to get out here and tell it. Um, so anyway, so this vacation Bible school most people are familiar with. And we did activities and all this stuff. And I already knew enough of the Bible to know that Jesus was God's son and all that. But anyway, so we were in the auditorium, and, and he's saying, if you're not saved and you want to get saved or you need to get saved, you got to get saved. you got to get this saved. Okay, well, I don't know what this is. I don't know this word. It could have been in German. It could have been French. It's it. I was old enough at that age, I guess it was around 12, I was old enough at that age to know that there's things in this world I don't want. There's, there's things you don't want to be a part of. And as good of a Christian and person 
to go to church every Sunday as my grandmother was, and my mom and dad were Christian also. Uh, of course, we didn't, now let me explain this, we didn't go to church because when I was young, we had difficulty with me and my brother. Uh, we, we, to us, the sound was so loud that it, you know, it was like the preacher probably didn't shout, but it sounded like, it. you know, as a small child, I was very sensitive to, to uh, noise. Uh, and uh, my hearing, of course, like you said earlier, about and so it's go by cutting your ear, you get older. But in those days, the shouting seemed so loud. It's like they were hollering at you. Mm. And I grew up in a good family, and, you know, whenever somebody shouts, it's, it's something wrong. You know, right. it's more of a, uh, an aggressiveness. So Bob had an experience probably very similar to what a lot of people have. Uh, not necessarily a bad kid or a bad person. Grew up in a good home, was exposed to church somewhat. Uh, but goes to vacation Bible school, has this experience, and somebody, again, yells at him, you know, you don't want to go to hell, you know, turn or burn, you know. Uh, and and <laughs> turn or burn yeah. sometimes, uh, and turn or burn is what some people need to hear sometimes. Uh, but it can kind of send the wrong message of, you know, well, I'm not giving my life to a loving God. I'm, I'm running from hell is what I'm doing. And so uh, I think that's probably what happened. And this is a similar experience to what a lot of people experience. They get saved at a young age and don't really have a full understanding, just like Bob was saying, you know, the guy kept saying, if you want to be saved, even that word saved, you and I, if we've grown up in church, we, we have certain terms and we know what that means, but do we ever really explain what that word saved from or, or you know, what saved means or what am I being saved from or what, you know, to somebody who's never been in church, they, uh, they don't understand those things. And so uh, Bob went through his childhood, made that decision in vacation Bible school, and uh, you said it, wasn't, it really wasn't until you started coming to Landmark that, uh, that okay, Brother so Mike talked about that. The, the vacation Bible school, he, he said, basically, come after the church, see me personally. Okay, so I don't want to go see somebody personally that I don't really know this person, and they're saying, come see me personally. And I say, okay, so my, as I say, my family had never mentioned, they were Christian, but never mentioned the word saved or becoming saved. I said, oh, I'm going to become a part of something I don't need to be a part of because my family might not support this idea. And, of course, they would have supported it, but they didn't, they never explained what this word was. So it's like joining a certain group of people that it's something. uh, Now, I ended up uh, being involved in vacation Bible school, and I enjoyed the activities and realized uh, the fellowship of the, the those people. Yeah. I said, "Well, I need to as I go into high school, I need to find that same fellowship in a local church." Yeah. Now, it was actually Westwood over there uh, near my uh, family's home that we ended up at first, and that's where I I learned the majority of things. Uh, and, of course, I had to learn what, uh, you know, the truth about salvation. Uh, me and my wife had actually had a discussion. Also, she, you know, talks to the little kids. They're like, oh, I, I never sin. I'm not a sinner. You know, we have to understand that we as mankind have sinned uh, in the original uh, Adam and Eve. And, uh, of course, as my wife pushes them a little bit, you never talk back to your parents. You never say anything wrong and, and mean and uh, disrespectful. And they're like, no, so okay. So she's like probably lying already. <laughs> so, you know, you've already lied. And that's one of like the Ten Commandments that you've already. So we, but it's difficult to understand the whole salvation thing. And, you know, when I, you're right. When I did come to Landmark, there was so much in-depth of, 
exactly, you know, how we sinned and everything like that. Uh, but I'd understood pretty much before I'd come. But the word salvation meant nothing until you understand that what you're doing, you're accepting, you know, Jesus. And, of course, I wanted Jesus. Right. You know, if he would not have, and this is what I was trying to get back to, my salvation story, they ruined my salvation. Mm -hmm. They had the opportunity at that moment to explain to me what, you know, hey, you need to accept Jesus. You need to bring Jesus in your heart. You need to make choose Jesus. I was already choosing Jesus basically in my heart, but I was not officially doing it. I was not accepting that I was a sinner. I was not accepting that I need Jesus. I just knew he existed. Yeah. And all he, but to say salvation, you need to get this saved. No, that meant nothing of my going to heaven. He didn't explain that you need salvation to go. He just kept throwing that word out there. Right. And that's why I thought it was important. Quit throwing these words out here as a Christian right. that are to the people who are non-Christian. So that's why I want to tell my story. That's good. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. That's a good story. Amen. <laughs> and, you know, what Bob is saying is, again, it's very important that we understand why that story is important. Now, this is why the, um, when we talk about the age of accountability, it's not a certain age. It's the ability to be able to understand the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel. Now, do you need to have an in-depth eschatological understanding of the gospel before you can get saved? No. You simply need to be able to discern, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I'm a sinner, so I need a Savior, and he died for me. It's, it's a very simple understanding, but you've got to be able to have that understanding. And that's why the age of accountability is not a specific age. It's really about an understanding. Uh, now, do, again, a lot of people don't want to get saved because they say, well, I don't know nothing about the Bible. You don't really have to know nothing about the Bible, amen, to get saved. But there again, the salvation is not the one-time experience. The salvation is me comprehending the gospel, understanding the gospel, and coming to give my heart to him. I, I don't know a whole lot the day I got saved. I don't know about you. I was a teenager. I didn't know a whole lot, you know, about the Bible or any of that. And so what I came to understand later was a lot of that maturity and that growing and that understanding will come after that decision. That is not the whole thing. That's not the whole enchilada. Amen. That's not the whole enchilada plate. That's just the very beginning. That's just the chili sauce, if you will. Amen. I'm getting hungry. I must be. Amen. So, uh, you know, you got to understand that's just the very beginning. And I have all I need is faith. And just a basic understanding of the gospel to get saved. But after I get saved, then I need to begin to mature. I need to learn these things. Understand just what Bob was saying. I need somebody to teach me. And sometimes we don't do a great job of that in the church, do we? We get people saved and we say, bless you, man. Hope you do good. Good luck. And then we just leave them, you know. And we don't need to leave people because a huge part of the gospel is not only giving the gospel, but then it says we are to disciple them. All right? What does disciple mean? It means to teach and to mentor and to bring them along. Amen? And so uh, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you've struggled. Maybe you've been struggling with your salvation. Maybe you were a young kid and you, you've just kind of stalled out. Uh, it can be time to just say, Lord, I'm going to start over. I'm going to just go back and I'm going to... I'm going to get on board and I'm going to start growing in the Lord. Some of you don't need to get saved. Some of you just need to get off your tail. Yeah? 
again, I'm sorry, I'm blunt, the, the, the blunt preacher. I'm going to get that uh, name in Tyler, Texas, the blunt preacher. But some of us don't need the salvation experience. We've already had the one-time experience. We need to get and do some action because faith without works is dead. dead. Amen? And so I need to start growing in the Lord. I need to start serving. Many of you, you might say, well, I can't serve. I don't know nothing about the Bible. You ain't got to know nothing about the Bible to serve. You ain't got to know nothing about the Bible to clean a toilet. You don't have to know anything about the Bible to operate a weed eater out here. You don't have to know anything about the Bible to get in a classroom and corral some kids and say, get over here and sit down. You don't have to know nothing about the Bible. That will come in time. Amen. And not only do you do it with me, but I'm not just supposed to spoon feed you. The Bible says that you are to feed yourself so that you can grow. Amen. And so you are to do that every day. If all you're getting fed is once a week, you are a skinny, skinny person. Amen? You don't get fed once a week. You get fed every single day. I'm not with you every day. What does that mean? That means you got to do it. You got to open it up. It's feed yourself. Amen? All right. Uh, bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the band to come back. Maybe you're here this morning and... Maybe you've had the salvation experience, but you've stalled out. Or maybe you're here this morning, you say, I've, I've never even started that. I've never had an experience with the Lord. Either way, he is as close as a prayer away. But again, there's no magic in the words. There's no magic in a prayer. There's no magic in walking an aisle. There is simply a heart commitment. There is simply a saying, a commitment to the Lord, beginning a covenant with the Lord. If that's you today, if you need to recommit yourself or you need to commit yourself to the Lord for the first time, I invite you to pray this prayer with me if you would. Just say in your heart and mind, say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save me from myself. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I love you. I thank you for spilling your blood for me. And Lord, I just ask you to be my Lord and my Savior right now in Jesus' name. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or as a prayer of recommitment, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over. Now, here's what I'd like to do. We're going to have a time of response, what we call an invitation. If you want to just come and pray at the altar, and uh, lay it at the feet of Jesus, you can do that. If you want to come and have somebody pray over you, Hayden's going to be uh, over on this side. I'm going to be on this side. We would love to pray over you. If you need somebody uh, to, uh, if you've raised your hand, all you got to do is come to me and just say, Brother Mark, I prayed that prayer and because uh, I would love to pray for you, all right? Father, I pray that you'd have your will and your way during this time, during this invitation. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand if you would. And we're going to sing. You come as you need to come.
is good. Amen. I'm going to ask my brother. Is it Reuben, brother? Reuben. Reuben, come here. Reuben came up here today. And he said, I, I want to give my heart to Jesus. He said, I want to. Uh, and this is not easy, is it? It's not easy to make a total change in your life. But Reuben comes today surrendering to the Lord and says, I want to make a change in my life. So Reuben, we want you to know we love you, brother. We love you. Brother Reuben comes to us from Triumph Village. He's working on his life, working on straightening his life out. And we need to help him. Amen. All, all of these brothers from Triumph Village, we need to do that. Amen. And brother, this, this is the first step. This is just the first step, amen. Uh, but we want to help you with the step from and the journey from this point forward, amen. So when we get done, I want you to tell Brother Reuben how proud you are of him, how much you love him. Amen. Brother Reuben, you can go sit back down, amen. We love you, brother. Amen. We're all we're gonna end with uh, yeah, give him yeah, and God's good. Also had some uh, recommitments this morning. Just people saying I need to come back to the Lord. I need to get back on track. Uh, if you didn't come down this morning, I encourage you. Maybe you heard that, but you didn't come down. I want to encourage you. There's, it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to jump back on a horse and say, I need to get right back on it again. Amen. And so uh, if you did that today, if you need, need help, if you need somebody to pray with you, I'm, I'm available. Just uh, do that. But we always like to end with a praise song. So uh, I speak Jesus. Let's sing that together. Amen.
Jesus from the mountains, come on. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for our family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout out. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for our family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the dark. There's power in the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that the demons in hell tremble at the very name of Jesus. And so today I pray that you would know that truth, that you would speak Jesus in your life. Every time you come before something, something comes before you, comes in front of you, that you would speak the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for everything that happened in this place today. Thank you for Brother Reuben, God. I pray that today would be the beginning of a new day in his life. And God, just help us as his brothers and sisters to stand with him and to stand strong with him, God, and to help him. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Have a great rest of your day.